Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Znati Guma. Tackling your stock-related questions this evening are Gary Boyson from Rand Swiss and Mark Detoy from Oyster Catcher Investments. Don't forget to send those questions via SMS to 41392. Email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining us. Uh, let's start off with the markets. It really seems that the main theme right now is markets believe that the Fed could be less hawkish going forward in terms of its monetary policy tightening path because of the weaker than expected manufacturing data that was released yesterday out of the U.S. That's just one data point. Is the market not premature to rally this much on that? Uh, starting with you, Mark. Yeah, well, I mean, I think we saw a few things over the last uh, couple of days. So, one, there was weaker manufacturing data out of the U.S. Um, then today we saw that um, new job openings were lower than expected in the U.S. And also in Australia, the central bank um, pushed through a lower than expected rate hike. So, I mean, there is um, you know, a fair amount of uh, economic evidence that the high interest rates are starting to slow economic activity, which is what the Fed's aiming to do. And so, yeah, the market's getting a little bit more, um, I don't know if excited is the right word, but maybe a little bit more relaxed about the, the prospect of further rate hikes. And I mean, there's been a lot of money sitting in cash for a while now, waiting for a, an entry point back into the markets. And uh, I think we've seen that, that money start to come in. Yeah. Um, just on that, uh, Mark mentions the Bank of Australia now opting to go for is it a 25 basis point hike. Uh, but would that not be appropriate for the Bank of Australia? Because they were ahead of the curve, if I remember correctly, Gary. I mean, is, is it appropriate for markets to be clinging on to the Bank of Australia's pivot and basically um, thinking that the Fed will also be emboldened to pivot? Well, I mean, if you read, I suppose, Alan Greenspan's book, which was going back a couple of uh, Fed governors ago, um, you know, the U.S. actually does uh, watch, uh, you know, Australian central bank action quite closely. It's, it's a strange thing, but it, okay. it, it's, it's something that, uh, that that previous central bankers have actually looked at. But, uh, you know, it's always very difficult to tell, you know, especially when we get a, a rally like we had today, which is just... Yeah, like a spectacular, what looks like a bear market rally to me. Yeah. Um, it's very, very difficult to tell where it's coming from. Is it, is it coming from the idea that the Fed is going to pivot? Is it coming from the fact that uh, suddenly we don't think that there's going to be a contagion from a European banking crisis because uh, potentially Credit Suisse isn't going to, to fold and we've seen their, their CDS starting to fall and their stock price up around 9% today? Mm-hmm. Um, is it because, uh, you know, the Liz Truss and, and the UK government has uh, rolled back some of those uh, you know, aggressive spending threats. It's very difficult to say exactly where, where the optimism is coming from. It, it could be short covering as well. Just uh, you yeah. know, guy, guys panicking and exiting positions. I mean, I think there's a lot of shorts out in this market as well. So very, very difficult to say where it's coming from. But I think, I think what we can say just from like a, a statistical analysis is that you know, in, in, in very aggressive bear markets, the rallies do tend to be very aggressive as well. And just because we've had a, a big up day and a, a strong start to the quarter, I don't think it, it means uh, that we're out words yet. To Mark's point, yes, there are very early signs that we're seeing, uh, you know, essentially economy slow and, and, and the, the aggressive central bank, very hawkish central bank policy working. But remember, when central bank policy like this works, uh, it means that it's going to slow down economies as well. So you would expect that to, to be factored into share prices. And 
you know, valuations are a thing, but we're about to go into US earnings season as well. And I think the stronger dollar is going to, you know, we're going to see if the analysts have adjusted their expectations enough um, and we don't potentially see some big misses uh, this time around. Yeah. Um, you can just see the market volatility in just the, uh, the, the share price movements of Credit Suisse. Yesterday was down 12% and now Gary uh, says that it's up 9%. Uh, quite confusing because uh, they had that memo out, out over the weekend where markets basically yesterday interpreted that as bad news, but uh, clearly not that bad with the share price movement that we are seeing today. But just on that, I mean, markets, uh, you know, the Fed always says that it's market, um, it, it's data dependent. But is it appropriate for markets to be, I feel like they're more data dependent because it seems that every bit of data is a catalyst for some reaction. I, what do you think of that? What do you make of that, Mark? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the big story has really been how aggressive the, the interest rate cycle, hiking cycle is going to be. And it is a very big deal for markets because... I mean, worldwide, we price ourselves off the, the dollar interest rates. I mean, it affects all um, asset prices. Mm. And, you know, if you know, if you can tell me what the, you know, at what point the, the interest rates stop going up, you know, I can make myself a lot of money. <laughs> but unfortunately, no one knows that answer. And so markets always looking for clues. And, you know, like we've just mentioned, some clues sort of came through in, in the direction saying that the rate hiking cycle is potentially not going to have to be as harsh as what we were expecting maybe last week even. Yeah. Um, just on our side locally, Gary, we did have the Saab releasing the uh, six monthly monetary policy um, review saying that they will continue with the rate normalization. Do, so do you think that we could expect another 75 basis point hike at the next meeting? I think it's still early days. Uh, I mean, we've obviously just had one, but but yes, uh, I do. I think you know. Again, it depends on what what the rest of the world does uh, as well. So I mean, you know, central banks do tend to to, to move. Uh, I suppose it, you know together uh, as well. But I don't I don't think it's off the cards. I, I I personally don't think that the the rate hiking cycle is 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 yet over. Not mm. not this early on. Uh, we we kind of looking at the top uh, end end of the second. Yeah, probably end of the first quarter, beginning of the second quarter of 2024. But of course, it's going to be data dependent. It's yeah. going to depend on what happens. It depends, how fast, it depends how fast economies are reacting. And I think it's just important to understand as well that you know, central bank action, um, you know, it, takes, it takes 12 to 18 months to feed into the market. And the fact is that the, the hikes that we've seen have been very sharp and very aggressive. And we actually haven't seen the effects of, of these hikes yet. We're only starting to see the effects, as, as Mark was mentioning. So, um, you know, the idea that we might see a little bit of a pause, I, th I think, is reasonable. But, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd have to pull up the exact estimates from the economists to tell you. But uh, I don't yeah. think 75 basis points would be off the cards. All right. So, well, let's get into the questions that we have received uh, today. So there's a question here on Caxton. Is Caxton a buy at these levels? Uh, so I know they released results um, last month and uh, quite solid results, uh, a doubling of earnings and also posting market share gains. Uh, Mark, do you look at the publishing company? So I haven't looked in it in too much detail, but I know that their result was good and they, I think they have a large uh, cash balance on the balance sheet. I mean, the stock is very cheap, so I think, um, but I think you're more buying it on a, on a sort of a corporate action play. You're buying a very cheap uh, small cap stock and, you know, expecting there some, to be some value unlock at some time in the future. 
Um, so yeah, if you want to kind of buy and hold, then uh, yeah, it's not expensive at all. Yeah, because also, yeah, you talk about corporate action and they are on a bid uh, for a takeover of, of impact. Uh, Gary, uh, what are you thinking about how they're going about that takeover? And do you think that they'll actually get to a point of, of success? Oh, it's a good, it's a good question. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a complex transaction and it, it looks very, very hostile between the two <laughs> companies. I've listened to, listened to both executive teams kind of chatting and, and, and it, it looks very fractious, which is, I suppose, I mean, it's part and parcel of, of being in financial markets, but it's, it's also something that it's much nicer when you, you've, you've got two companies that, that see a clear way forward and, and clear synergies between the two businesses. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a good way to, 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 to create an acquisition this way. I, but uh, at the same time, you know, it's, you know, looking at Caxon, it's, like you say, it's not expensive. It's on a trading 12 month of, of, of six, uh, like six times earnings. Um, you know, its market cap is 3.3 billion. So it's, it's very, very, it's a very, very small business. I mean, it's been on the market forever, but uh, that's also a very tightly held business. So I don't know, you know, for us, we don't hold it. We don't, we don't cover it. Um, I don't think, uh, yeah, I think... You, you know, would I take a speculative punt on it? Pro probably not. Not not with the corporate action hanging over it as it is. A lot yeah. of uncertainty in the stock, and uh, I suppose traditionally, you know, like if you're thinking of like merger arbitrage um, theory, uh, you should uh, sell sell the business that's uh, that's doing the acquiring and buy the business that's being acquired. So, mm. so not no Caxton for me. All right, all right. Um, Mark, how about Stadio? So uh, there's a question here. Uh, the panel's view regarding the future prospects of Stadio Holdings. Is it a good buy? Yeah, so Stadio, I think that they, um, I mean, they are in the tertiary education business. I think there's huge demand for their product. Um, they've spent a lot of capital already. They opened their campus, um, I think it's in Midrand. And they have land in Durbanville as well, where they um, potentially can build a second campus. And yeah, I mean, if we look at kind of the demand for education, I think that that's very strong. And I mean, the real market that they're going after is the UNISA type distance learning market. Mm -hmm. And I do think um, Stardust prospects are, are looking very good. All right, yeah, that share price up by a lot today, uh, almost 11%. Um, your take on Stadio, Gary, and would you be going for Stadio in that education complex? Uh, it's, it's not bad. So, so I think we, we prefer Advertech, uh, you know, but Stadio is, I think, a very, very close second uh, for us. Also, also, you know, you're looking at it, it's also a very small company. So, you know, a 3.6 3 uh, billion market cap. Um, I think there might be a little bit of a, an overhang, you know, XPSG shareholders uh, maybe, maybe also just uh, readjusting, but... Uh, yeah, like you know, to, to to Mark's points as well. I mean, a, a very good business, a very well-run business. Uh, clearly, you know, feeding into a, a demand that is is absolutely essential. It's, you know, what what is business in the end of the day? It, a business is uh, a way of solving problems to to extent. When there's problems, then you make a business around it, and that's how you make profit. And, and there's no question that South Africa has uh, you know a dire problem with education and, and the private sector stepping in in the form of Stadio. So, I think I think you know. If, the only hindrance will perhaps be, you know, kind of, you know, if we have real falling per capita income, uh, you know, people not being able to afford it. But, but it's, it's, I think it's well within the business's thinking as well, um, you know, to, to do that kind of omni-channel, you know, very affordable educational packages uh, in, a, in a kind of private uh, tertiary education space. So, um, yeah, I like, I like the business. Uh, yeah, not, nothing wrong with it. 
All right. Uh, we spoke about volatility earlier on, and there's a question here. Um, is this a trader's market as Nedbank started in the green and by uh, the day close, it went black? So um, minus 0.51% mark? Yeah, I mean, uh, so yes, I, I would say it is a trader's market. I mean, typically at the top of cycles and at the bottom of cycles, we see a lot more volatility. Um, you know, Nedbank was actually one of the um, worst performers on the day from a share price move point of view. I mean, it was one of the few counters that was in the red, mm. um, which is kind of a little bit surprising, I guess. I mean, we saw Capitec up five, but over the last month, Capitec's really had a, a real fall from grace. So maybe yeah. just a bit of a, a reprieve there. Um, but yeah, nothing wrong with the Nedbank business, though. We think the banks, South African banks are still good value the, at, this, at these levels. And uh, so I wouldn't be too concerned if, if, if Nedbank was slightly down today. Yeah. Actually, Capitec uh, seems to be the only one that ended off the day in the green. At some point, it was up about 6%. Gary, of course, this is after the announcement that they've now been granted a license um, for their life insurance business instead of um, conducting that business through other insurers. I'm just wondering how big of a deal this is for Capitec, considering those share price movements. I think it, it it can be a very big deal. So so remember these days, so much of it is is who your audience is and who your customer base is and who's inside your community. So you know, already Capitec has you know as I said, Capitec has already been selling um, you know funeral policies, life insurance, etc. through through these kind of wholly owned subsidiaries, and and they're really just bringing this whole function in house. So it's kind of I suppose cle cleaning up the business. Um, at the same time, you know, Capitec has, I mean, it's a fantastic brand and, and a fantastic penetration into, I suppose, the right target market that would, would be very, very receptive to life insurance as well. It's, uh, it's a product that, uh, that does far well, far better in, in kind of low LSM. You know, ultra high net worth clients don't need life insurance. They, they self-insure. They've got the assets to do it. So it's... Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. I think I think it can be a very big deal, and we can see just you know, like I suppose the the relationship between Liberty and Standard Bank in the past. I mean, life insurance, uh, you know, for a company like Capitec, and and the ability for Capitec to diversify its revenue streams into into other financial services, I think is key uh, to it becoming a more mature and, and and larger bank. So I think market likes it, and uh, yeah, I think it didn't didn't like the results so much yeah. <laughs> recently, and uh, and and this this is something that it's it's grabbing onto, and and and. Obviously Obviously, sending the stock higher. To be fair, in a day where where a rising tide was lifting most. Okay. Boats. Okay. All right. Uh, but on that, I mean, of course, as much as it's up six percent, it has really taken a beating um, over the past month because of earnings ex expectations versus the valuation. But I'm just wondering, Mark, on your side, looking at the value adds that uh, um, Capitec is coming with now, the um, having its own license for the life insurance business. Um, also coming in with Capitec Connect um, for that mobile, uh, that mobile offering. Um, does this not drum in the point that it's expensive for a reason? Yes, I mean, uh, it is a, a fantastic business, really. And um, I mean, we can see them now starting to leverage their, their large um, client base. Um, in the most recent results, I mean, they announced that they're over 19 million um, clients now, which is I mean, the, the, the second nearest bank's about 10 million. So, you know, they really have captured the, the broader base of the South African market. And now they've got the distribution network, they've got the, 
um, relationship with the client and they can add bolt-on products. So um, a funeral has been fantastic for them, credit life business, and now we're seeing um, the, well, they're a, a mobile, a virtual mobile network operator, MVNO. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think we're going to see more of that. I mean, we see more, more partnerships and sort of adding on bolt-on revenue streams to the existing base. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's a question here on US tech. Uh, is US tech a buy? Um, but not all the tech companies are the same, Gary. <laughs> so uh, your, your answer to that, is the US tech a buy? I suppose it depends on where we are in the interest rate cycle. So a, a lot of the pain that US tech has taken, and, and yes, obviously all tech companies are not the same. So, um, but but is, is, is a US tech index a buy? You know, I think which is where the question is going. Is, is now the time to go and buy the NASDAQ 100? Because tech is also a very difficult uh, sector to go and, I mean, to, to understand which tech product is going to be very, very successful is, is a very difficult thing. You, you need incredible research and incredible insight into the industry to, to be very, very selective. So buying something like the NASDAQ 100, where you're going to capture the, the tech stock that, that goes berserk, is, is probably not a bad way of doing it. But, you know, to the original, is now the right time, you know, trying to time getting into, into tech. Um, it depends on the interest rate cycle. Tech has taken a beating largely because, um, you know, by, the, by its nature, tech, uh, you assume that you're going to get all this, these earnings in future. And as the price of money goes up, um, it starts becoming more and more difficult to wait for those earnings because you could, you're looking at the bank account going, hey, I could just stick it in there and get a fairly decent return. I don't need to wait for this, this uh, you know, fancy virtual reality product launch to, to happen. So yeah. um, if, we, if we do see the, the interest rate cycle peaking and starting to move down, I think you're going to see a huge rally in tech stocks. Um, I do think if you are going to be a little bit more selective and you're not going to go and buy something like the, the NASDAQ 100, um, I think probably stick with the big traditional guys. The, things like Google, Apple, um, they have so much cash on their balance sheet. I, I, in my sense, there's, there's a real opportunity there because it, what's happened is they've been kind of tired and feathered. They're tech, let's just sell them off. But uh, I think they're very different businesses from the, the typical growth stocks that, that people have, people assume that they are. And, and they're actually very mature businesses in, in highly technological fields, but the world's almost moved on. And they're, they're not tech businesses. Google's a search business. You know, you know Amazon's a retailer. It's just an online retailer. It's not tech business. So yeah. I, think, I think there are some opportunities in those kind of uh, specific, the, the, the big kind of, previously like mega cap uh, tech stocks. I think that's where you're going to do the best if you had to be selected. Okay. I was actually going to ask you that question, Mark, that do you go for an index or do you stock pick? Because also, I mean, you are seeing companies like Apple that are largely seen as defensive now also starting to talk about demand pressure. Yes. Um, look, I mean, first we are stock pickers, so we would go for individual stocks, but I think if you don't have a clear view on on an individual company, then your better your better bet is to go for a for the index for the Nasdaq 100, and also that gives you a lot of diversification as well. So in your own portfolio, you don't want to just have kind of five or six stocks. You want to have 30 or 40, and if you can't get that in, on individual names, then the index is a much better uh, risk-adjusted way to do it. Mm. All right. Uh, Oceana, I'm interested. Um, it came out with an announcement today that it is selling its cold storage business for 760 million rand. Um, of course, it seems that Oceana is making quite good strides in the fact that even in their second half, they posted better profits. 
Um, the stock, I think, after the announcement was down about 5%, but we did see it reversing a lot of those losses. Uh, the last time I checked, I think it was down just under 1%. Gary, do you look at Oceana and um, how, um, yeah, how much of a big deal is the sale for the company? Yeah, I think uh, Mark covers Oceana in quite a lot of detail, so I'm sure he, he can take us through the, the, the corporate <laughs> action today. But uh, yeah, I, I don't look at Oceana like, very closely. But um, yeah, again, it, it's a fairly, it's a, it's bigger than the companies that we were talking about previously. I mean, it's sitting on a, a you know about a 7.3 billion uh, rand market cap. So, so it is, but it's been under a, a huge amount of pressure this year, <clears throat> in line with uh, you know a, a lot of companies. So it kind of hasn't uh, hasn't. Uh, you know, managed to buck the trend like so many of the small caps have. You know, it, it has been kind of uh, influenced by the, the, I suppose, the border sell-off that we've seen in, in some of these food-producing businesses. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't hazard a guess on whether you should buy or sell Oceana at the moment as I, as I don't cover it. Mark, the oyster catcher, would you be catching Oceana? <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, so, yeah. So I mean, I know that uh, a lot of a lot of analysts are always saying that um, they're quite wary in, into going into these fishing companies because of challenges such as weather. So I mean, yeah. yeah. Your thoughts? I mean, their the business is um, reliant on their catch rates. Um, so they own a U.S. fisheries business. And I mean, it's difficult to predict if they're going to have a good. Uh, catch season, you know, are they going to find the fish or not? Yeah, and that's kind of one of the reasons why it's difficult to to kind of build a longer-term investment case around it. Um, I mean, the corporate action today selling uh, the cold storage business, I think it was seven hundred million rand or something. It's not not big in terms of their market cap, so I don't think it's a big a big deal really for them. It's it's all about their catch rates in the US. Yeah. Um, just uh, before we go to your stock picks, uh, Sirius came out with an update um, on their asset recycling program, talking about assets that they have disposed of and assets that they have acquired. What was interesting for me is that at the end of that statement, they said that they expect to slow their acquisition pipeline uh, because of the uncertainty in the market. Gary, I'm interested from your side, do you think that companies should be conservative in terms of acquisitions or because of how beaten down the market is um, and probably how cheap things are looking, um, that it's a good time to look out for those valuable opportunities? Well, I think, I think yeah, I mean, it's a broad question, but, but yes, I suppose in, in, in a market that's very rough, this, this is something we're talking about in, in, in terms of Motus's uh, update around uh, them buying into the UK, uh, you know, spending 3.6 billion in the UK, and everyone goes, ooh, but the UK is in a terrible shape. This, this is a terrible time to be making an acquisition. You know, in hindsight, that might not be the case. You know, you don't get great assets when every, everything is, is going well. This, it really is the time when, when things are very difficult. That's, that's generally the best time to buy because you're going to get the best prices. But, of course, it's going to come down to the underlying businesses. It's going to come down to the business that's also doing the acquisition. Is now the time to get highly leveraged and go on an acquisition spree? Probably not. Your, your, your cost of capital is going to be very, very high. Um, are you a very cash-generative business that is sitting on a, on a lot of cash that can be deployed very safely and conservatively into, into high-quality assets at, at a discount? If, you, if that's you, then absolutely. Then, it, then this looks like a fantastic time to be buying assets. Yeah. All right, one last question. Um, squeezing it in. Uh, your thoughts on Remgro on a one to two year horizon, Mark? Um, so, I mean, Remgro actually had a very uh, 
decent kick after its results and it's starting to look a little bit expensive to us. So from our point of view, um, too expensive at this point. Mm. All right. So, well, let's get to your stock picks. Gary, what will it be? Okay, so I'm going to do a YOLO stock pick, uh, not for the faint-hearted. Please don't put your pension money into it. I'm going to say <laughs> let's buy Credit Suisse today. Um, stock is up around 9%, but uh, there's obviously all the, the, the malaise around the, the restructuring of the business. Uh, there was a, you know, rumors on social media over the weekend that sent the CDFs, uh, so the credit default swaps, uh, up dramatically. Everyone thought that the, the business was going to fold. If you go and read the, the, the analyst research that covers the company, they are very constructive. They say this is not a Deutsche Bank. This is not a Lehman Brothers moment for the bank. Um, they, their capital ratios are well in excess of what the, the, the European Union requires. And, and it is still a well-capitalized bank. Uh, the, the rumors also surfaced that they were going to potentially do a rights issue and that while they were actually phoning around to try and, you know, reassure their, their shareholders and their clients that their bank was safe, everyone took that as uh, a message that they were trying to gauge interest in whether or not they could tap the market uh, with a very deeply discounted rights issue. So, and that was also not true. So the stock is rallying on the back of it. It is you know, it is down 75% over the last five years, uh, but it is it is a, a big name in the European banking sector. It has been a terrible performer, so it's kind of like we're going to buy it. It's a very speculative punt. Let's see what happens in, in a year or two yeah. with that stock pick. And on your side, Mark, your stock pick? Yeah, so I'm also going for a bank, but uh, I'm going for Investec. <laughs> so also kind of being brave when others are fearful. I mean, anything with... UK exposure has been really sold off quite hard. Um, Investec, 60% of their earnings are from their South African businesses. So yes, exposed to the UK economy, but also their UK business is, is quite um, a high net worth individual. So yeah, more so than the South African business. And typically they're not as, as hard hit by um, tough economic times. Mm. So I do think that um, Investec's prospects are better than what the share price is reflecting. They also announced uh, a share buyback, which is a return of capital, um, which kind of shows their um, confidence in their share price as well. Yeah. And 8% uh, dividend yield and reasonable growth prospects for earnings. I think uh, Investec is a good buying opportunity. All right. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, for your insights today. Thanks to my guests, Gary Boyson from Ransuis and Mark Detoy from Oyster Catcher Investments. Julieta is back with Stockwatch tomorrow. Same time, same place. Have a good evening.